Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. It's not another Buffalo podcast. The bi-weekly show hosted by three of the most underqualified sports personalities this side of the canal. With John. Roy Kent is like the best character in that show. Oh, he is, that man. boy. Baby. <laughs> <laughs> dude, you sound like Roy Kent. Are you serious? Uh, dude. You've been holding out on this? Brando. The dude's 45 years old today. I'm not going to say happy birthday to him because I hope he had a bad birthday. I hope he blew out a candle over an avocado and then didn't eat it. And it's just miserable. And Pat. Reed Ferguson was trying to whip it. He, did. he throws a football like I do, but like, you know. <laughs> There's a clear <laughs> drop off, I would say. On Buffalo Rumblings. All right. Welcome back to Not Another Buffalo Podcast. I'm John. I'm here with Pat and Brando. It's uh, Friday when you're listening to this. It's uh, still Wednesday here, so we can't quite celebrate yet. But uh, how, how are you guys feeling? Are you in the uh, the Friday mood yet? I like that intro. I don't know if you're going to play that exact one for when the show actually drops. I will. I will. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You sound just like Roy <laughs> Kent, and I laugh every time. And I can't uh, do it again. I can never do it again because yeah. the only possibility that exists is that I mess it up and then it gets I totally worse. ruin yeah. my credibility. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny. Um, on this day on Friday, when the show drops, it will be my grandma's 88th birthday. And my grandma's last name is Miller. So for her birthday, I got her a Von Miller t-shirt. And I'm using that to rest the mic on right now. So you don't hear any of the vibrations of me tapping my foot on the ground. Science. Um, so, yes, Von <laughs> Miller, Mary Miller, you know, coming together on Friday for 88 years on this planet. So uh, happy Friday, folks. Nice. Nice. Pat, how about you? Uh, not too bad, man. Been busy. No walk today at the pier. I was uh, a little bit disappointed in myself. I can feel the lard compiling on my body since I did not <laughs> exercise, but yeah, no, I'm all right. How's your, how's your day going, Johnny? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, busy, 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 uh, as of late, you know, you know, try to fit lots of work in between trips here. So I've, uh, just been playing catch up and then trying to get more stuff done, uh, before I go out of town again. But I'll be coming to see you guys. So that's exciting. Rumor has it. You'll be in Western New York. Yes. yes. yes rumor has it. But uh, yeah, I'm excited. It's uh, it's almost football season. You know, it's the upcoming season, like the greatest season of our lives. I feel like I'm not overselling that. Do you think you're, uh, that's what I was just about to say. You about to oversell this. Like, I don't think one I one may say you're if, putting a lot of pressure if, on the season. That's true. If any of you can make a case that that's not a realistic expectation at this point, like, let me know, you know, if you can construct any argument that this roster isn't the best roster that the bills have had since the nineties, then I'm all, I'm all ears, but no, no crickets, crickets, Insert elevator <laughs> music here. Yeah. I'll put the organ in there. You know, just like I had to when uh, Pat was saying something. That last was episode. funny. <laughs> that was funny. I loved it. I loved yeah. it. 
So yeah, so uh, today Brandon Brandon came up with this topic. Uh, saw an article about teams under pressure in 2022, and uh, you said they had the Bills at the top in this particular article that you read. Oh uh, yeah, the guy was talking about how the Bills were are they are they not the most pressured team in the NFL? And then uh, they had a couple other teams, but I also have an article here from Fox Sports by uh, David Hellman about why Bills Josh Allen is under most pressure of any NFL player. And I thought that was also interesting. As you know, if you are a listener to the show for a long time under pressure by um, David Bowie and queen is one of my favorites. And we did a long oh God. soliloquy about it last time. I'm not going to, I'm not going to a good vocabulary word. Yeah, Mr. Pete would be happy. <laughs> right. <laughs> English flashbacks, ninth um, grade English. <laughs> I'm not going to go into the lyrics, but as I'm looking at it, I just want to read the last one because it's like, because love's such an old fashioned word and love dares you to care for the people on the edge of the night and love dares you to change our way of caring about ourselves. Um, and we are daring the NFL to come to Buffalo and beat us because we love this team. We're building expectations for this team. Pressure might not even be the right word, Pat. I like your take on this uh, pressure. How, how much pressure is here? Because is it, is it joyful? Are you nervous? Are you anxious? Do we have the most pressure? Is this the best team you've ever seen? And is there a way that this best team you've ever seen could disappoint you if they don't win a Super Bowl? Well, I mean, it's kind of the uh, anxiety factor as well. Um, I know that there are some scientific studies that showed um, nightmares, stress-induced nightmares actually can trigger better real life performance. Um, they took 100 med students preparing for the MCAT and, um, they had them all write down their dreams and the students who experienced nightmares about not completing the test or doing poorly on the test actually exceeded expectations of those who dreamt that they aced the test. So, um, I don't know. I, I think pressure could be good and, um, I don't want to think Murphy's law, but either way, um, you know, I, th- I think it's good. That's that's interesting, Pat. I wasn't ready for that informative of a tidbit. Yeah, that was, well, that's I mean, good. if you want the that's if good. you want the backstory, you know, people just have the craziest dreams, and I don't know about you guys, but I would always have this dream that I would be in class without my pants on, and um, I kind of went <laughs> from there, and then I got into like dream meeting and how anxiety dreams actually are good for you in the long run. So interesting, interesting. So uh, hopefully the Bills players are stressing about playoff games. You know, are, is that are you wishing? Nightmares of 13 seconds upon the Bills defensive backs. <laughs> like, I mean, I think I, I think that it's kind of the same thing with uh, with medical students. You know, you hear about how difficult the test is and you, you look back at, you know, things that maybe you haven't done the best in. And, you know, hopefully that anxiety drives them, you know, to perform well. And if not, um, you know, that's you, you got help now on your phone and that's why you, you pay taxes. So you have county and state <laughs> mental health resources. Um, but I, yeah. big hopes for me. So, but I, th- I think that the anxiety driven stuff, at least when it pertains to football is all like preparedness oriented. I mean, we saw this shift in Josh after the Houston playoff game. Do you remember when Josh had that look on his face after yeah. the Houston playoff game and was just so defeated, you know, that that moment sat with him for the entire off season and was the motivating factor why he had that third year jump why he spent the entire offseason with Jordan Palmer, all that stuff, you know, it goes into your preparation every day. Like that's the motivating factor. And I think that, you know, like Pat was saying, like that anxiety of 
like not wanting to fail or not wanting to mess up is enough to at least to get you to prepare anxiety. You know, like if you're anxious about doing well, that's not mean, it doesn't mean you're just going to come through with it in the moment or anything like that, but it's enough to scare you <laughs> to prepare and really put 110% into everything that you do, you know, which is like really important when it's football, you know, but anyway, Brandon, sorry. I just want to get that no, this is just in my personal realm, Pat. I'm only referencing this because you would have experienced this. Uh, we would have been coworkers the first time I ever experienced this. Um, but when we would take students on field trips, I used to have nightmares that I would lose a student like regularly, whether we were at Seabreeze or we're at Strong Museum, you know, and we miss somebody and we count wrong or, you know, we let them go free and we can't find them. Whatever it is, I used to have nightmares about it all the time. But I can tell you one thing. I've never lost a kid and it's helped for sure keeping me on my toes. But um yeah, those started about eight years ago and you and I would work camp together and go on those trips. Yeah. So hopefully it's some, you know, maybe it's some sort of human defense mechanism or, you know, reflex for success. That's a that's a really good point, man, honestly. So maybe it's good. And I mean, <laughs> Never I, I mean lost Packers, a kid. <laughs> Packers can't have any anxiety because according to Aaron Rodgers, none of the White House can even catch the ball. So what, what are you what are you worried about? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and Packers Justin are also, <laughs> we never, we never Packers talked about, so maybe you guys, um, have heard more about this. Did you hear about this, uh, controversy with Aaron Rodgers where the NFL was determining whether what he was doing was a banned substance? And I want to say it was, what's the name of it? Ayahuasca. Ayahuasca. Oh, ayahuasca. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's, it's not cause it's tech. It's like it's, a it's, it's legal. Substance. It's legal in yeah. New York state. You could order it. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure there's no regulation. It just has compound. Well, now I'm outing myself for knowing so much about this topic, but um, I researched this yeah. after he talked if about you guys, it. If yeah. you, if you guys are interested more so in it, um, if you've ever heard of, um, Hamilton's pharmacopoeia, that's Hamilton Morris. Um, he used to have a show on vice. You can actually watch it on Hulu and um, he does drugs around the world. And he, he does make a stop in, in South America and does have an ayahuasca experience. And yeah, I mean, he's, if you want to lose your mind and throw up and roll around on the ground for 24 hours, like, you know, I'm, I'm sure he had a much, I, I, hopefully Aaron had a much better experience, but, um, I, I think that $50 million a year probably get you some good stuff. Yeah. Some good ayahuasca. And also I don't think it would stay in your system. It's, it's got DMT. What, what is Aaron Rodgers doing? Did he take a spiritual trip to South America? Was he that what just, that was? He probably just had it ordered or he just smoked DMT and said it was ayahuasca. So he didn't sound sketch, but, um, <laughs> that's interesting. I remember seeing like a couple of new, like ESPN news notifications about that and be like, Oh, that's interesting. And I expected to kind of see more of it on Twitter, but I, mean, I didn't. So I think that I would rather have Aaron Rodgers drinking ayahuasca than someone taking a profound amount of painkillers like Kelvin Johnson and having their career cut short because of it. So or Brett Favre or literally a yeah. hundred other NFL players that could tell you that got hooked on painkillers, a battle addiction, you know, yeah. lifelong problems because of their NFL careers I that mean, last Iowa's only good. three, four, five, six, seven years. Yeah. It does seem to have increased his indifference towards playing in the NFL. I will say, <laughs> um, but yeah, <laughs> he, he seems like he, he doesn't give uh, very many F's at, the, at this point. But uh, so anyway, bringing this back to our conversation about pressure, Brandon, we just kind of wanted to make this like a free topic about what teams are under pressure. And uh, we were kind of talking about the bills and 
I don't know. I I don't feel like the Bills are under that much pressure this year. You know, they do have kind of this win now mentality when it comes to the cap, but it doesn't seem as thoughtless. I, I don't want to say thoughtless, but like thoughtless towards the future as the Rams, you know, moves did last year, kind of disregarding the cap for the future and going all in and trading first round draft picks left and right to get players on their squad. Like the Bills are not quite in that realm of totally disregarding the next three years. So it's it's like they haven't been careless, but they have been like, okay, let's let's win now. We brought in Von Miller, we've brought in these players, we had a good draft, all that stuff. All the signs point to them having a good year. But if they don't win the Super Bowl this year, it's not it doesn't mean they can't win it next year, you know? Where some teams are like so win now and they're yes. so they they put themselves into such cap situations, you know, two, three years down the road that they have to basically go into rebuilding mode. And I don't think the bills are anywhere near being into rebuilding mode in the next five years, because a, you have Josh Allen and he's young and B you've got a young core at many of the other huge positions. So like, I, I think that's where pressure comes from for me, where it's like, where are you going to be in the next three years? Like a lot of pressure means like you have a guy who's about to retire and if you don't win it now, you're going to have to go into rebuilding mode after this. You know, like the Giants near the end of Eli Manning's career, that seems like pressure, even though they were terrible. Yeah, you we know? all knew he wasn't going to win another one. I, exactly. Like no, said, we all knew. There was no sugarcoating that, 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 Eli. You made the greatest two playoff runs in NFL history, and I hope you get into the Hall of Fame. But you sucked after that. Yeah. So. so maybe that's a bad example. But I don't know. Are there teams like that? Because yeah, I you mean, think about you look team, at someone like, the Packers are just the prime yeah, example. Or like the 2002 so. Oakland Raiders, where they put all their eggs in Rich Gannon's basket and signed a 40 year old Jerry Rice. Um, you know, and then they traded away draft picks on draft picks on draft picks, only to have that one pitch for a Super Bowl, which got them in the Super Bowl, where Rich Gannon threw six picks or five picks or whatever, and they lost. But that push itself put the franchise back for the better part of a decade and a half. So, do you guys I mean, put the, do you guys put the Colts in this position because they're constantly no. going from quarterback to quarterback, or will there always be a Matt Ryan available? Because I mean, Listen, if you're they, the they got Colts, a Super Bowl MVP playing backup quarterback, I think they're all right out there. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Foles enters the room, uh, no, and, but, and no, they have a good th- coach. Think about it; they don't have Super Bowl expectations, though. Think about it; they go. I mean, I I know that they're in a loaded AFC, and they don't have the same expectations as the Bills or the Chiefs. Or you think they go? You know, they have a disappointing season, which would probably be like what nine and eight this year. Probably would be disappointing for them. You know, Matt Ryan decides to retire after this year. Where where are they at? They have to draft a rookie QB. They're, they're just, I don't know. I It's been a while since a middling veteran QB has been brought, brought in to win a Super Bowl. I would say that Matt Stafford. Couple things. Matt Other Staff- than last year. Matt, Matt Stafford is above average. I'm going to put him above Matt Ryan. But wouldn't you say Matt Ryan's above ah, average? He won an, he won an ah, MVP ah, just because ah, you, you're calling him generous. Matt Stafford's got no MVPs. Hey, dude, Matt Ryan is a significantly worse quarterback right now than Matt Stafford is. 
Can we can how, we agree MVPs, on that? how many can MVPs? We, right now, Pat, Super Bowl. Michael Patrick Caprio, right now, how would you rank these quarterbacks? Not historically, not their entire careers. Like, who would you rather have quarterbacking your team? Matt right Stafford now, or Matt Ryan? Matt Stafford's got a significant elbow injury right now, dog. That's not the question. <laughs> like, who would you <laughs> Totally skirt any question that's thrown your way. Answer the question. Wait, so what's the question again? Matt Stafford or Matt Ryan, who would you rather have quarterbacking your team right Right now? now. Right now. Matt Stafford's hurt. This season, this season, even with the elbow injury, like, feel free to He's always had injuries. I mean, I think that Matthew Stafford having a complete, very complete wide receiver core and Matt Ryan throw into... Kyle Pitts. Yo, I want to know your most overhyped player. I've just possibly answer the question, bro. Matt Ryan or Matt, Matt Stafford? I mean, I think Matt Ryan could have won a Super Bowl with that Rams team. To be honest with y'all, I mean, that team was stacked. Anyone throwing right, a Cooper it, Cup that's who, above average? You got to pick one, man. No, you gotta I, pick Matt one. Ryan. Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan. Oh, oh no! Matt Ryan would have won the Super Bowl with that Rams team, dude. Pat, you oh. have a never-ending fetish for middling. <laughs> Quarterbacks in like the you like the, if if you were to rank NFL quarterbacks like positions number twenty three to twenty seven would be your favorite quarterbacks on they the would. scale. All right, Matt Stafford and Matt Ryan are both higher than those numbers. I would say. I mean, and, and I, I would think Matt really Stafford is Matt Ryan might not be. I mean, granted, Matt Matt Ryan did have Roddy White and Julio Jones on the same team, and they they were pretty sharp with Tony Gonzalez at one point, and they didn't win it. But still, still, I would. I don't know. Either or Calvin way. Ridley. It's it's not a very sustainable option, I guess is, yeah, is the, yeah. the point. It's it's yeah. been a while since Matt Ryan has been MVP caliber. Like, yeah, like Joe Flacco had one of the greatest playoff runs ever <sighs> and was just like on fire for five games and you know no one would take him starting on their team right now, which the Jets actually he threw eleven touchdowns. The Jets actually in the might have run. to How start many did the, Josh have last year? Ten or eleven? Josh like basically matched, yeah. Josh basic, yeah. Josh games, basically matched Joe Flacco's entire playoff run in two games. Now, what was Joe Flacco doing backing up Zach Wilson last year? Anyone want to talk about that for a minute? Not that it matters. He's going to get some playing time right now. Yeah, yeah, he might. I don't even know if he's still on the Jets. He, he is. is. Yeah, he he's. Is. Uh, there's yeah. Uh, been a lot of reports coming out. Like uh, Garrett, yeah. Garrett Wilson did a press conference and uh, basically, you know, in not so many words, said that. You know, Joe Flacco throws the ball better. But the way he phrased it was interesting, too, because Garrett Wilson said that Joe Flacco threw the ball softer and it was easier to catch, which I feel like is not a compliment. It it, kind of is like, you know, he knows he's like, okay, if I'm throwing him a slant, I'm going to take some off of it so he can catch it. And he said, if I'm if I'm running an out route, he'll put a little bit more zip on it because he knows he has to. Um, but at the same time, if you're in the NFL, you know, of course it's easier to catch a ball in practice when it's coming at you slower, you know, but you know, if you've got, if you're in a live game, you're going to need some zip on that thing. And Joe Flacco's arms probably been shot since, you know, the Ravens Super Bowl. (laughs) So if pressure is not a factor, if pressure is not a factor and there was one player with the least amount of pressure that they've put on themselves this entire season, that would probably be Joe Flacco. And so perhaps they should be. Yeah, I don't think there's any pressure. Back in the I don't city, think there's very much pressure city. on uh, Joe Flacco this year. He's got a, he's got a cushy backup job no matter what. You know the upside for him starting. No one no one's going to give Joe Flacco another contract at, at this point for a starting job at least. You know maybe a backup role. So uh, 
yeah, I don't know. Are there any other teams that we're leaving out of this? Do you think that there's pressure on like? I think you're leaving out a couple important things about the Bills, man. I think you're leaving out some stuff. Like you just kind of, kind of slept over a couple things. All right. Why? Why? Why is there pressure on the Bills this year that that doesn't uh, exist? Like every four year? names. Because Dawson Knox could be gone, Tremaine Edmonds could be gone, Trey White might not come back fully healed. I mean, you just you have a that, window of this that's season. That's very dark and gloomy, right there. I'm just saying there's right now. I mean, if he comes back good, cool. But you have a window right now where like you can use your safeties that are in back nine of their career. Use a young secondary, use a strong pass rush, take advantage of Josh's contract. Steph Diggs is in his prime at 29. Gabe Davis is coming into his prime. But what happens when you start losing these players? The safety that just got the deal for 19 million a year in Kansas City. What's his name? You're talking about uh, the Chargers safety, right? Oh, not Kansas City. Yeah, I'm sorry. The Chargers. Derwin James, maybe? Yes. $76 million Derwin James, highest paid NFL safety. He's not even an all pro in the AFC. I'm just saying, you're going to start losing apples from the tree here. And uh, we want to win the Super Bowl now. And McDermott needs to make up for his 13 second blunder. And Josh needs to show that he can sustain this through four games. I mean, we, we all remember Josh being amped up before regular season games, but like, I want him, I want him, they need to redeem themselves for the last two playoff seasons. And uh, Von Miller's 33. You got like two cracks at it with this roster already. And you're getting a third crack right now. And you should feel lucky for getting all these guys to come back here. We should feel lucky for Matt Milano taking less money to be here. We should feel grateful for Von Miller coming here. And we need to capitalize on it. So there's pressure. Yeah. It's like a healthy amount of pressure, though. You know, like there's an urgency. Like there's not like, okay, this team is going to be the same for five years because no team is the same for five years. There's roster turnover. You know, no matter what, you might be able to keep the core pieces intact, but you're not going to be able to keep the back end of the roster intact for more than a year tops. You know, that's, that's just the nature of the NFL and every team has, has, al- has always been, been that. We've had Jay Kumaro on special teams for a couple of years. We've had, uh, who's our linebacker? Yes. It's, uh, it's or, been or, lower or, than like normal. We've had all these it's guys. been yeah. lower than normal, yeah. but you know, you don't have, you know, we don't have Daryl Johnson on the roster. You know, he was gone last year. We don't have Wyatt Teller, who was a great backup there for a year. You know, we don't have, yeah, you know, I mean, name another guy who, you know, has been, you know, all, all these rookies that went to the practice squad last year and got poached. You know, two guys, Jack Anderson, and I can't remember the other guy's name. Ray Ray McLeod got Ray poached. Ray Ray McLeod, uh, yeah. yeah. So, anyway. Um, I, couple, I have a couple questions for you then. Sure. Sorry, not oh, this is not Bills related, but it kind of is because when you look at our team, like you said, uh, we've had a deep full roster. But when you look in our even in our own division between like, does Bill Belichick feel pressure this year? But like not not a lot because the Bills are going to win first place either way. Like they're not expected to be first. They're just expected to be respectable. 
All or the I'm Dolphins is, putting all the money out there. That's true. I don't think the Patriots really care, though. You got to remember, the Patriots won su- three Super Bowls with David Patton and Troy Brown as their their two top wide receivers, and they're just footnotes in NFL history. So I really don't think, from a skill position standpoint, from a free agency standpoint, that that's something really that Bill Belichick would right. feel like. And he might now. he might live and die in the two thousands because of that. You know, like that was two thousands football. That's not going to cut it these days, obviously, but. I don't know. I might be out of line for saying this, but I feel like there's more pressure on the Pats and the Dolphins than the Bills. I mean, if because by, by well, their fan bases, well, if they don't bridge they the gap see. now, they'll never bridge it. Right. Yeah. Because those regimes, I mean, look at all the Bills regimes that finished third, fourth in the, the division every year. Those regimes were pushed out because it wasn't good enough. You know, so if you're not first in your division, you're basically your core, your coaches, your regime, your GM, you're all at risk. If you can't get it done and you can't start winning division championships, you're gone. Like that's the NFL. And so the bills are poised to win the division again this year. And I'm not saying that that's a given, but it is, you know, even if they didn't, if they slipped a little bit and they still made the playoffs, Sean McDermott's not gone after this year. There's not that amount of pressure on him because they've shown that they can build a winning culture. They're here to stay. They've got a plan for the future and they look great. Whereas all the other teams in this this division don't have that. Robert Sala, you know, if they go one in 16 this year, he might be gone, you know? So there's pressure there. Um, That's also interesting because it's It differentiates on a spectrum. Whereas in Buffalo, you might not have pressure on Bean or McDermott, but the players themselves might be putting pressure on themselves, knowing that their window is there for themselves. And like you said, it's that good stress that sends you to the gym when you're sore and makes you stay after practice and work on your footwork and makes you go the extra mile because you know, you're, if you're Kyrie Elam, you know, you're not going to have Poyer and Hyde back there your whole career. You have to figure this out. You're not going to have, you know, a superstar covering your mistakes up all the time. And you, you need to take advantage. You need to be the best that you can while everybody's at their peak right now. And like, if you look at Josh Allen and you look around the room, you're like, Diggs is 29. We already lost Cole Beasley and uh, our defense is this. And our, you know, Mitch Morris is up there. And uh, it's, it's like, they might see it in the room. Whereas is the executives will be like, all right, we did a good job. They have faith and they get the benefit of the, of the doubt to try to replace those guys, which they've shown that they could. But if it's just like from a player's mentality, like I know that I need to win this, you know, it's like, yeah, if we played our capabilities. It's, it's now, and we might not ever get a chance to be in a locker room this talented ever again. Yeah. From a team perspective that, that totally makes sense. And also on an individual scale, the best players and the most generational players, yes, I'm throwing that word out there, um, are the ones that put pressure on themselves. And so we have know, one. Yeah. Josh Allen. We might have two. Yeah. We might have two. Von so, Miller. Von Miller's generational. Yeah. yeah. I, I guess I, I, cycling back to what we were saying prior, I guess it's not a bad thing, really. Yeah. Yeah. If you're, and, if you're at that generational level. Yeah. It, it, those guys, I, I, um, I think back to the Jordan documentary, and it's funny, too, because when you're really good at something, it's really easy to get high on yourself and you see guys do that in the league and in every sports league. And it's understandable because that's human nature. Like you're one of the best in the world at something and you're celebrated for it all the time. 
you know, it takes an extra level of motivation to keep preparing, to keep bettering yourself to say, this isn't good enough. And so obviously with Josh, you've got the whole like, okay, we didn't win the Super Bowl yet. So, you know, you're hungry. You're not satisfied. That's what drives you every day. But it's interesting. I don't know if you guys saw the Jordan documentary on uh, yes. ESPN. You're talking last dance. last dance. Last dance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yes. like, he used to, I mean, he's obviously the greatest player in the world, the greatest player of his age, and he knows it in his head. And it's really cool, this, like, the scenarios that he invented in his head just to motivate himself. Like, he used to get, you remember the guy in the restaurant who, like, uh, you know, like he created this scenario oh, in Salt Lake City, thought that they poisoned him on purpose or whatever. Not that scenario. That was a different story. But like he <laughs> thought that somebody was just being rude to him in a restaurant or something like that. And he like made up a scenario in his own head just to motivate himself to seek revenge on that person so that that would be yeah. his motivation. And I'm, you know, that's like it's a whole nuts. different level. Somebody looks at him the wrong way. He, he like exactly. Steve Kerr in the face during practice and stuff. And right. Like, I mean, he, he knew how to get the most out of his teammates too, which like at that point I'd be like, all right, boys, I don't, I don't even care. I'm making so much more money than all of you that do what you want. Really? Right. So, right. Yeah. So it takes a different level of person. You know, I really don't want to talk about, you know, his highness, Tom Brady, Blah. But you know he's. He I mean, he's the ultimate team player. Ice cream. He's and Kyler Murray. Do you think Tom Brady knows what Call of Duty is too? Doubt it. I mean, he's just no. been. That's why he and Bill were such a good fit for each other because they were so obsessed with football. You know, like Where that on the was, street was though that Bill Belichick was a huge deadhead, which when my dad read Belichick's book, which is interesting. Really, really, yeah. I, it's a good book. I hear. So maybe they do have some culture deep down below their icy personas of nothingness. But what would you do if you saw Bill Belichick out at a concert, Pat? I'd say, hey, Mr. Belichick, can I buy you a drink? <laughs> Honestly. And then I'd be like, who is that homeless man behind you? And he'd be like, that's my son, Steven. But, um, <laughs> so who do you guys think, like, number one team in the NFL, who's got the most pressure on them in this year? Like, quickly, too, because we got to get to a break here. You really think that the Bills have the most pressure yeah. on them? Buffalo or Green Bay, it's tied. Pat, what about you? I got to go with those Tampa Bay Bucks because how many more years is Tom going to come back to? You're, Zero. Your franchise is going to dissolve into irrelevancy again after this year. So yeah, I, he's going to go to I, Miami either way. It's complicated though, too, because I like that's my first thought is you know Tom's either out or he's in Miami last or next year, right? But if you're the Bucks, you you know you already won recently, right? So does that alleviate some of the pressure? You know, because the franchise, you you got it done within the past few years. You know, does that does you're that, saying that does that alleviate you just any answered of the pressure? Your own question? You answered your own question. Michael Jordan wanted to be the greatest, and you only get six cracks at it in a row before you turn 35, 36, 37, and your body wears out like Michael's did. Tom is on borrowed time. Like, how much more are we gonna see? him throw for 5,000 yards and 40 touchdowns. There's well, no think, way that uh, it's going to keep happening. Like there's going to be a time where it's not going to happen. Do you think he reaches Nolan? Do you think he reaches Nolan Ryan status and plays 27 years? Is it, it, Nolan Ryan played the longest professional sports career of all time? I think, think Gordy Howe might have that beat. Let me see here. See. You might be right, Brandon. Gordy Howe played until he was like 50 something, right? He's the only professional uh, that played with his sons. 
Um, so he played 26 seasons okay, in the so NHL, six seasons in the WHA. So 31 professional seasons. Okay. Because, yeah, it looks like Nolan Ryan has 27 major league seasons. Let me see here. This is interesting because, God, this man had no life. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was baseball. <laughs> <laughs> no life. <laughs> Just yeah, a casual season it. in the MLB, you know, as a hobby. <laughs> yeah, no, Nolan Ryan, Nolan Ryan played professional baseball from sixty-five to ninety-two. God, that's a long that's time. crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, if he's got Gordy Howe and Nolan Ryan, hopefully, he's not looking at any of those stats and like he's not like thinking about that because that would be horrible and I would really it'd be upset if he was thinking like that. But realistically. Hopefully after this year, if he, I mean, and that's the other thing. Uh, I, I don't even know. I feel like the, the Bucks almost have to win it so that we don't have to worry about Tom Brady ever again, but maybe that'll be after Josh wins it this year. Brandon, I'll say this about the bills having the most pressure on them. If the bills were to lose in the playoffs this year, I think that a narrative would start to arise that the bills can't get it done in the playoffs because that would be three years straight that they've lost in the playoffs and two of them would have been at Kansas city, obviously. But again, you might be right with the, them having the most pressure on them because they do have the most universally thought of best roster in the NFL. So if they're not able to get it done this year with this roster, then people might start asking questions, you know, what's the problem? Why can't they get it done? Even though, even though we know that football is mostly once you get to the playoffs, like, there's a good amount of luck and chance involved in it, even if you are, you know, at the top of your game, as we saw last year, you know, mistakes were made. But, but the other part of it is, is nobody's saying that we can't win in the playoffs. Josh has one playoff. He got the greatest game ever played in a playoff game. And yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying the narrative. Would Lamar be like, Jackson's never won a playoff game either. And I love Lamar. Yeah, right. I, I don't think the narrative would be that they can't win a playoff game. It would be like, they can't get it done. They can win playoff games, but they can't make it all the way to the dance. You know, it took Manning seven or eight seasons to win his first Super Bowl. That's all I'm saying. Oh, I agree. But, but people will pull out the recency bias. You know, it'll be like yeah. if the Bills lose in the playoffs three years in a row without making it to the Super Bowl with, you know, this time with a more talented roster than ever before, then that's what people will be saying. They'll be like, okay, why can't yeah. Buffalo get it done in the playoffs? Can Sean McDermott not handle the pressure? Can Leslie Frazier not, you know, pull off a playoff level game plan or something like that? So that's not what we would be saying, but that would be kind of the narrative that's constructed. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, you might be right. I don't think I have a better answer for who has more pressure on them in the 2022 season, because I mean, is there is there another team where a regime is at risk of getting fired? Because it's all like bottom of the. Barrel, Carolina bottom of the barrel teams, you know, at that yeah, point, Matt, exactly Matt Rule yeah. would be in his second year right now. I mean, Ron Rivera like with that. Washington football team, maybe at risk of, of losing. Not his coaching job. I don't even care. He, yeah. He's the only thing that's respectful about yeah. the organization. Yeah. Ironically I agree with called you. Riverboat Ron because he's like just way too conservative. Yeah, keep but. keeping everybody afloat over there in Washington. Well, whatever happens, I'm just, it needs to get here. Like, it needs to get here. And one more note on those Tampa Bay Bucks. Um, it'll be interesting to see Todd Bowles in his first season. If he doesn't get it yeah. done this year, if they're not NFC South division champs, does he even come back? 
or they go elsewhere. So it'll be interesting. Yeah. Does he get hired elsewhere is the question? Because Bruce Arians stepped aside to give him a chance yeah. too, right? With a full-time right. roster. So somebody, he might just stay there and be bad next year or the following year. Yeah, I mean, just because, you know, it's I one t- of those things. Todd that, Bowles is a good coach. He was a good coach with the Jets with, a terrible, York, with yeah. a terrible roster, made the best of it. So, you know, but anyway. All right. We're going to get a break in. We'll do some quotes with Pat on the other side really quick because we're already 40 minutes in. But uh, yes. stick around. We'll be right back. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Anyways, I got one for you. This is probably my favorite quote that I've read on the show. What? Okay, this is, I mean, all right. Big news. This is big. It doesn't matter if you have one ass cheek and three toes. I will beat your ass. God, this sounds like Rex what? Ryan. It oh. doesn't matter if you have one ass cheek and three toes. I will beat your ass. Mm. It was said on national television, too, which is hilarious. Uh, Dan Campbell? It is MCDC Motor City Dan Campbell. That was on Hard Knocks boom, about two boom, weeks boom, ago. Baby. Uh, yes. People that have said yeah. stuff about Hard Knocks are like Dan Campbell's intense. So that sounds like Dan Campbell. So I, I got two quotes for you by this the second guy. Um, these are... I couldn't... It, I was like, did, did this man work in the NFL? These are some real existential quotes. Um, but yeah, they, they were said in football press. Maybe he took Owaska before he said these. Things. Yeah. These do sound like some ayahuasca quotes. When I was 12, I went hunting with my father and we shot a bird. He was laying there and something struck me. Why do we call it fun to kill this creature who was just as happy as I was when I woke up this morning? And then quote number two, all the buildup is hype. Everything else is foam. But the game, the game is the beer. I remember the quote about the bird. Which is like, I I mean, I would never kill a bird, so I can't really say. But I mean, I guess you could look at it and say, well, he was just as happy as me when I woke up this morning and I just capped him. But then what about the uh, hype being the foam and the game being the beer? They came from the same guy. A man of many quotes. A man actually who went to Harvard. 
This isn't Harvard this NFL grad. You're not talking about Ryan Fitzpatrick, Fitzpatrick, right? No. Other Harvard grads. Let's see. Uh, well, he has a master's degree in English from Harvard University. That is interesting. He's. I can't believe it. That didn't give it away. A master's master's degree. He was a head coach in the NFL. Um, coached in the NFL better part of three and a half decades. Um, Harvard grad who got real existential about a bird that him and old daddy shot. Did this person play or just coach? Just coached, which means that he should get less chances than someone who played. But anyways, <laughs> um, <laughs> Still trying to carry it out. Still trying to carry it out. That's what I'm saying. If Todd Bowles or Mike Singletary or Dan Campbell want to just run their teams into the ground, it doesn't matter because they played. But anyways, um, this this um, this coach who did not play had very limited musical talent. I don't know if that helps you out at all. No. Perhaps tried to give a little school spirit to his team, but in fact wrote a really terrible jingle for the team bore a resemblance to Bob Barker his offensive coordinator was Ted Marchabroda Ted Marchabroda 30 years in the NFL coaching Ted Marchabroda Ted Marchabroda was his offensive coordinator um I don't want to give you any more hints because it'll like to wear a V like to wear a v-neck sweater sort of bore a resemblance between Bob Barker and Bernie Sanders (laughs) Was more of a diplomat than a play caller. I have no idea. He <sighs> was instrumental in the support of Fred Jackson because they went to the same alma mater. Co-college? Co-college. So said that, I thought he was from Harvard. Well, he's got his master's degree from Harvard. Oh. Um, I was going to say, master's MBA. Harvard is not... Or, no, I'm sorry, school. not MBA. MFA in English. Um Co-college. Co-college for the first four, Harvard for the last two. I'm searching. Super huge. Should I Google it? Yeah, you can Google it. Are we we past the point of cheating? I'm just disappointed. They're screaming at the screen right now. This guy, Ted Marchabroto, was his offensive coordinator. Um, 30 years coaching in the NFL. Like head coaching? Uh, Probably the better part of about 11 head coaching years. Okay. All right. So we're not talking. Majority of his years were with one AFC team, one AFC East team. I've never seen a picture of this man with anything but white hair. And it's not Jimmy Johnson. It's not Don Shula. And you're not talking about Marv Levy, right? Like that's I am not... talking about Marv Levy. What? Okay, I thought that no, was too obvious. Way. I was like, Are you I was like serious? the, su- yeah. I the sweater. Wow, I was like the sweater. I was like, that sounds like Marv Levy, but like this isn't a Marv Levy quote. I've heard the quote about the bird before. I remember that. But I did not hear the name of the person who said the quote. Oh my God, yeah. I can't believe it. Hey man, is, if that's what Marv. a degree in English, wow. if that's what a master's degree in English from Harvard can get you, don't sign me up. But um, Well, Marv Levy, yeah. uh, you know, he has some good Very poems. He has guy. some good poems too. He's uh, he's doing poetry yeah. these days, isn't he? Is he? I think so. I don't know. I just know I he tried to... He, he tried to rewrite the Buffalo Bills fight song too, and it was terrible. That's why I tried to throw in that. That's not, they play it on WGR sometimes, and it's not as bad. I mean, as, it's not as bad as like Bear Down Chicago Bears, but like I would put it in the same category. Bear Down <laughs> Chicago Bears. 
<laughs> Chicago Bears is hilarious. Uh, so well, he stumped us, man. That might yeah, be uh, that was embarrassing. That was embarrassing. People are gonna like the the and the the plus thirty crowd on the show probably hates us already. But now they now it's even more. That's all right. Ted Marchabroda, he gave Bill Belichick his start. So really, it doesn't even matter. Ted Marchabroda was offensive coordinator for the Bills. Yeah. Uh, wow, we suck. Yeah, we ouch. suck. No, I mean, right. to be fair, we I only we never heard his name. We only before. started existing in nineteen ninety six. Well, I thought Jim Kelly was the K gun guy. That's He's what they call it, the K gun. Well, no, the Kelly, the K gun is not named after Jim Kelly. It's named after that tight end. Um, oh God, it's not named after Jim Kelly though. I just um, uh, are you sure? I swear to God, I am positive. All right, wow. so you guys can make fun of me for this, but Machine Gun Kelly. Was the nickname for Jim Kelly, correct? Yes. Does that have any resemblance to the stick figure that's dating Megan Fox these days? No. Oh, it's Keith McKellar is what the K-Gun offense is named after. Yeah. Can I can I read this for you? This is an article from buffalobills.com. Sure. Um, it... it happened on December 2nd, the birth of the K-Gun offense. Um... On December 2nd, 1990, the Bills posted a 30 to 23 victory over the Philadelphia Eagles. Buffalo's attack most often featured three receivers and a single running back with QB Jim Kelly in a shotgun alignment. Kelly engineered the offense, which for years was considered among the most dangerous in the NFL. The quarterback called his own plays and ran the offense without huddling. The result was a high act octane all cylinders onslaught that wore down opponents and helped Kelly Thomas Reed Lofton cement Hall of Fame legacies in a sign of offensive fireworks. Kelly hit Lofton for a 63 yard strike, 45 yards into the game. He was a perfect eight for eight with 229 yards and three touchdowns, and the K gun was born. No, no, no. Go to no huddle offense right here. The K gun offense is commonly thought to be named after quarterback Jim Kelly, but was actually named for Keith McKellar, a six foot six inch, 245 pound tight end. McKellar was exceptionally fast at tight end and due to coaches and teammates saying he had killer speed, his nickname was killer. That was the source of the K gun. I'm sorry. That was the source of the K and the K gun. Interesting. You can cool. you can ask fans on Twitter. I'm telling you, it's Keith McKellar. Hey, I'm not I'm not disagreeing with you. I, I yeah, think that's but, cool. I think that's cool. I always thought it was because Jim called his own place. That's why it was like such a big deal. I also think Machine Gun Kelly was some sort of mobster in the 30s. Is where the original term is from. Like a Chicago mobster. Yeah, like a Chicago mobster. Interesting. Interesting. Got a lot. This is a good episode. Yeah, it's it's a long episode. <laughs> I'm going to spend, a, I'm gonna spend half my day tomorrow editing this down. <laughs> Only a couple of bleeps here. Yes, there. exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it was just, it was worth it for the one Kyler Murray diss. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get it in. The one per episode. We have a quota we have to meet. All right. Well, you guys know where to find us on Twitter at NotBuffPodcast. Uh, shoot us your thoughts if you know any of the backstory of the uh, K-Gun Machine Gun Kelly that we're getting wrong. Feel free to let us know. I know you will anyway without me having to say that. And uh, sorry you had to scream Marv Levy into your phone for at least six minutes there for a second because we thought that that was too obvious of an answer for that to be the actual answer. But uh, maybe Pat is just outsmarting us all by, uh, you know, making it seem like it's more complicated than it is. But that was a good one. So I enjoyed it. That was good, Pat. Good job. All right. We got a preseason game on Saturday, which will be tomorrow by the time this episode airs. So uh, Kids Day versus the Broncos. Don't know if we'll see any starters. We're looking forward to it. But uh, yeah, everybody stay safe out there. Go Bills.
Go Bills. Go Bills. Go Bills.